0: Welcome, y'all! That's right, this is the Pregame Engineer Tell Game Mayor Racing Podcast, episode number 289. It's Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. I'm Tugging Mayor Rusty Wallace in the PTM Podcast Studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is sponsored by you! That's right, go to patreon.com forward slash PTM, join the Watch Drink Club for as little as $1 a month. Get that free music, get some stickers. Best part is, every cent this year, we're just giving it away. We're going to donate it to sponsored drivers. Join the PTM Pussy today. Be a part of the Sport You Love! This week's show brought to you by our official sponsors at that $5 and up per month level. Here they are. Aaron Beard, Robert Kevin, your Claire McClareck, Kevin Ryan Kiefer, Patrick Cleary, Jeff Brown, Brandon Craig, Kathleen McDonald's, Brandon, Brandon Carl, Rick Porter, Julie Bosley, Eddie Grid, Third Younger Brothers first David Mullins, Patrick Johnson, Brett Morris, Crystal Smoke, Fred Rosado, Chad Knapp, and Stacy, Coleman, Lisa Chenana, Rick Houston, Sarah, Barry Evan Roland, Matthew, Bishop, Harry Bolzagna, AJ, Evangelista, Janet Scott, Les Miller, and Jumpy Bob. Woo! Got it now. One time. Love it! All right, fellas, BTM North Carolina Studio. Welcome to the show. Pre-game engineer Andrew Shorn. What's up, dude? Cheers, y'all. Woo, man! Ready to get this one going. And uh, let's just go ahead and bring him right on. Special guest tonight. Uh, at this point, I mean, it's like the ten dozenth time he's been with us uh, in in this direction or the other one. Needs no introduction from the Lap Traffic Podcast. The Professor Brandon Crowd. What's up, Brandon? up guys how are
1: you it's been dude, a minute happy it, to be back excited a minute some fun tonight
0: i know i know i think it was february last time as crazy yeah. as that is that's how fast these these days and months and everything else are ticking by uh i saw oh brandon's gonna be on huh didn't we just have him on yeah we did like four months ago <laughs> right <Jesus>. okay <laughs> well welcome back <laughs>
1: thank you Ah, oh, great well, to be back man man lots to talk about the man cave is looking sweet dude thank you Thank you. Yes. This little taste by in the background there. I had to you know, I just was in the podcast room myself. I'm like, all right, so I am uh sitting here. Uh, I got the Tigers game on one TV, I got the Yankees game on the other, and uh got the podcast stuff going here with you guys. So
0: excellent. Looking forward to it. You know yes. what we do to start this off. What you drinking tonight?
1: All right. So uh we kinda of talked a minute about it pre-show. So most everybody knows that there is Vodka, sugar-free Red Bull, and Club Soda in a glass. And everybody normally knows it's Tito's. But tonight is a special occasion celebrating uh, a little personal thing for me. So I have the sugar-free Red Bull, Club Soda, and some Stoli Elite going tonight. So uh, cheers, cheers, boys.
0: Well, congrats, man. I won't go into your personal stuff here, but uh, you've got some celebration stuff going on. We're happy for you here. Thank you. PTM Podcast. Uh, he talked about the pre-show, y'all. We had us a pre-show. I tell you what, we started about five or six minutes late because it went a little bit deeper than <laughs> normal pre-show goes. If you want to hear some of those stories, you got to come see us at the race. We ain't fixing to tell them on this show. I don't want that to be public. <laughs> nah. if that's the pre-show.
1: What's the after dark going to be like? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no kidding. Well, the after dark is still recorded, so we'll we'll be right. we'll, we'll we'll get up to that line. But I'm not sure we're gonna.
2: Get
1: we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Sherwin, what you got tonight?
2: Uh, Jim Beam and Diet Sprite or Sprite Zero.
0: Sprite Zero. I got the Jim Beam and the Coke Zero, and I don't have anything on deck, so I just brought the whole freaking bottle up here, and we'll <laughs> see how it goes <laughs> uh, with round two. Um, Harken back to our days when we had the whole bar thing up here, and I uh, got me some ice, uh, so we're ready to go across the board. Um, Nice. Nice. A pitcher of ice.
1: Well done, Brandon. pitcher of ice. Got the the bottle within hand's reach. (laughs) I don't have to get up for the next hour, hour and 15. There you go.
0: There you go. Fellas, I figured, uh, like I've been doing in the last, I don't know, several weeks, start this thing off with, I won't call it a story this time, as much as just observations and uh, get some input from y'all and everything. So we're going camping this weekend. And we're going camping with uh some other couples, sure when you know them the usuals and um the last time I realized the last time i've been camping like and this is car camping this isn't we're not doing like backpacking or anything I'm prepared to do that, but uh we you know the sites and everything that we have' it's just car camping right so uh, me and Serena have been like, "Oh okay, car camping, sure, yeah, we're in whatever like uh, i can I can decide an hour before it's time to go car camping that I'm going car camping. Like I I've got all the stuff. You just take the NASCAR closet, empty it in the truck, and off you go, right? There has been this text I don't know what you call it, novel, etc. Oh, about, I can
2: only imagine. Oh
0: my God, dude. What if it rains? One of them was what if it what if it rains? And and I couldn't help Sherwin but think about the number of times that me and you have been Bristol, Atlanta, Darlington, uh, Talladega where it flooded, uh, about driving to Darlington through a hurricane and like an actual, you know, landfall hurricane, uh, to the, to the track. And, and With the no- express idea of pitching a tent when we got there. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I haven't thought about rain when camping in, in two decades. <laughs> like- Did you ask them if it rains inside their car? <laughs> It's, uh, but I mean, again, so, so I, I, I say that because I haven't had to think about it raining in two decades. So this is, this is like, you know, they're, they're kind of new I won't say new to it, but they're, they, they hadn't done it in a long time. So we keep getting it, you know, there's all these questions about what if this, what if that, I'm like, man, uh, there's a lot of drama into this camping trip that again, all I have to do is take that closet right over there, empty it into the bed of the truck and I'm camping. Like now I'm camping. I've got all the stuff. That means I've got utensils. I've got cookery. I've got uh, tent. I've got the canopy. I've got chairs. I've got uh, uh, you know the outdoor uh, carpet stuff. Uh, Sherwin, you remember at Darlington last year? I uh, we we threw away the um, the old canopy, right? Uh, yeah. Because it. Pretty much got destroyed. I mean, it was like a hats off moment. It's It's been with us forever. We well, tossed inn- the
2: carpet, too, because it was full of fire ants.
0: Yeah, yeah, the carpet was gone. So I got a new carpet, and I've got a new canopy, same damn canopy that we've had for 10 years, whatever it is. So I, I'm like, y'all, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And so I'm, I'm predicting. All right, I don't know. I, don't, I doubt any one of them listen to this show, but somebody's going to call in and cancel. And I'm gonna text y'all too when it happens because I want this recorded <laughs> that Rusty is is saying somebody's gonna call in and cancel because you know and there's gonna be some BS excuse that they make up but I, I am going to be camping this weekend I don't know about them whatever it is if I gotta run through the water run through uh, anything else other thing I gotta run through is this gas shortage that's apparently in the southeast you heard about this one Brandon
1: Yeah I have I yes that it's it's crazy that is. It is cra- it's it's crazy. It's unfortunate. It it is it's another eye opening thing. I guess we could call
0: it. Right, right. Well, wh- without going any like geopolitical blah blah blahs on it, uh, I will say I was uh, I was coming back. I, I think I'm going to work from home tomorrow, and the first half of Thursday because I got the second half off for this camping trip, of course. But uh, the truck right now has almost a full tank of gas, probably minus two gallons, right? I figure the truck can do about 350 miles on a tank, and it's 310 miles round trip. (laughs) Now, my in-laws are about 30 miles short of making it back home. So I figure, worst-case scenario, I can go up there if all the gas stations are out of gas from here to North Carolina, and then all of them are out all the way back through the weekend— I can coast into the in laws house and stay there and I'm gonna take my laptop and work from there if I got to.
1: <laughs> I mean you gotta be you gotta think you gotta think things out, right? And and right? I just I wanna go back to you know, if if I was called tomorrow and said or tonight if someone called me tonight, nine twenty three and goes, Hey, we're going camping tomorrow, I could have the truck loaded in thirty minutes and short of food. Be ready to go and, and and survive like paper plates, cups, uh, salt, pep. Like I've got three Rubbermaid containers that are just stacked with all the necessities to camp or tailgate, whether it's, Hey, we're going camping or we're going to a football game and we need to set up. Everything's ready to go loaded 30 minutes. No questions asked, like ready to roll.
0: I would love to know, like, like what you know i feel like we're on a bidding show here right like all right let's see how much how much of a campsite can you <laughs> arrive with camp. with Please. like 1 hour preparation 30 minutes preparation and 5 minutes preparation right i think if you gave me 5 minutes i would have i would at least have shelter bedding um and and like um yeah shelter bedding and a canopy and the floor, and I'd probably throw two chairs in there on my way out. I think I could get there. I think in five minutes I could get there. It'd be a it'd be a hell of a ordeal. Now cookery might have to be like, well, we're just going out to eat, like that.
1: I, that would have to happen. So I do have. I've got one of those uh, fold up uh, grills, mm-hmm. and I got those. I've got at least four of those one pound green propane tanks, so I could get by for a few breakfasts, yep. dinners, lunch might be questionable, you might be on your own for lunch, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm getting by for a few days if I had to within 30 minutes. And
0: so the point is, here we are what, 3 days before we're supposed to leave, and it's this whole ordeal, <laughs> right? And I'm like, 3 days de- I still haven't even started thinking about camping and I'm still going camping. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ah oh, uh, I love it.
0: You know, the it. only the only thing I'm gonna be missing uh is um is the stuff that's in Sherwin's camp box because uh, we're kinda like the yin and the yang and and when we get together, um Sherwin's got like all the um I would say all the all the small stuff that you need, like all the plates and cups and napkins, like and not not just like crappy ones. Like he's he's got this thing stocked. It's it's for real, right? And and so you you roll up and you're like, uh, I need a cigar cutter, and he's like, boom, I got that. I need a lighter, boom, here it is. Uh, I need this or that, like everything is in this box. It's this magic box, Sherwin.
2: <laughs> it's a good box. I try to dig through it every now and again to make sure the things that uh, are there. I mean, the kitchenette plates, uh, reasonable amount of plasticware, a lighter just dancing around in the bottom of it, cigar cutter, uh, fillet knife, yeah. Uh, knife is clutch. it's pretty, it's got, you know, they're, uh, you know, just a box of trash bags, Ziploc bags, whatever.
1: You know, like for me, like, you know, when I started camping, whether it was just to go camping race, whatever it may be, like, you know, you hit up that garage sale and it's like, Oh, Hey, here's some old knives. Here's, you know, sauce pans and, and, uh, you know, some, some griddle things like, and that's stuff you buy for five bucks and you just throw it in that Rubbermaid bin and like, boom, you're ready to go. Like there's p- two rolls of paper towel always like, cause for me, you guys know me, you guys know me a long time now. I'm a little anal, right? <laughs> so when I come back home, I don't just unpack. I restock mm-hmm. in preparation for the next time. And that is something my wife, lacks all comprehension of doing but that's just (laughs) how i am like i am i always am thinking too like well when's the next trip oh well i need to get this stuff in there and i'm ready to go
0: yeah yeah absolutely so oh man i i guess i guess uh, the the whole idea that we're going camping was like for me a total stress-free oh perfect okay we'll go camping and the fact that it has become this stress ball.
1: <laughs> now you now I know hilarious. so like all right, let's go back to Eldora, right? When you guys fly in and I bring you guys a tent, right? And this mm-hmm. thing poof, right? And I think I recall you went out and got one of those. So like are you going to like magically impress everybody when you're like boom, tent set up, I'm ready to go?
0: Yes. Yes I am. So here here was the here was the only thing that I thought of was well, if it rains I have a backpacking tent. It's one of those two-person backpacking tents, but two people who know each other really well. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, who don't mind touching butts or something, right? So we've, I've got that, and it will survive a hurricane. That thing is insane how, how waterproof and everything it is. Um, or I have the other one that can survive eh, a decent amount of rain, but not a downpour. That was the only decision. In the race closet, do I pick that one or that one? And and at this point the weather's looking like it's going to be fine. So I'm picking the big one. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to roll up with that exact same tent, Brandon, nice. that you brought to Eldora. Uh well, not exact same 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 one, but you know, the the but, one that I went and bought concept. right after I uh, had that one. And uh, yeah, we're going to roll up in that and that is the 5 minute setup just like you said, you like extend four poles and there's suddenly a tent and yes. <laughs> okay, we're done.
1: There's no connector. You, you don't seen? need six people.
2: Have you seen the latest iteration of that tent? mm
1: I have not, no.
2: No. You don't even have to plug anything in. You unfurl it, those four corners, you grab from the middle, and you pull it up. Huh. How and about boom, that? Boom, That's tent. it. I mean, it goes from 45 seconds to 10.
1: <laughs> and then you stagger down and put the wrap on top.
2: And I'm not saying you really need to cut those 35 seconds out. But it's still neat. It's, I mean, worth (laughs) it. You know, might as well. I love it. Oh, that's
1: great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gentlemen, I'll tell you what. I I think I texted Sherwin the other day because I went to the bar. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here, but I'm vaccinated. (laughs) I don't give a crap. Uh, I'm at the bar. This is awesome. And then uh, went out to eat uh, twice since then. We went out to fancy dinner and whatnot. So feeling like I'm back up to, you know, Back up to, uh, I don't know, normality, normalcy, whatever everybody's calling it, to a to a degree, of course. But uh, here I am talking about, you know, going out to places, camping, blah, 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 blah. All that, uh, all roads lead to a NASCAR race. <laughs>
2: so. Well, and I, I'm on, yeah, for sure. I'm going to back you up just a second, not to drag everybody else through the mud again on the camping thing. Because there is a, a funny anecdote to this. Because of how much we've done this. Because we run into... Inevitably, you run into people that just don't... Just like what uh, Rusty's talking about. People he's going camping with that don't really have the perspective. And it's like, okay, if you add all the weekends up, we're talking about probably 50 weekends. Maybe about five of them total that we haven't camped. Mm -hmm. Like, in the whole duration of being a fan. And they're like, so you just, like... You just camp. We're like, yeah... Like every time in a tent. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's easy. This is a very easy process. If y'all haven't seen, or
1: we got the Yunkers RV. Oh, that was well. Yeah. I count
2: that as one of the times that we didn't (laughs) count. Right.
1: Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, y'all to see. side note that Brad is supposed to come up here in two weeks and we're supposed to go play golf. Oh, sweet.
0: Nice. That'll be fun. Yes. I, um, uh, was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say y'all should see when me and Sherwin roll up on a campsite at the track. There isn't any talking. There's two beers that get cracked open. That's the only thing you're going to hear. And then you see two guys walk around for about five minutes. And then suddenly what you couldn't even tell, because it doesn't even go above my bed rails on the truck. uh, So you couldn't even tell there was anything in there. I've got all the fold out everything. There's a gigantic campsite set up with with lawn, that's laid down, chairs, tables, everything is up. And, and it's, uh, I don't know, what is it, what's it take? 15, 20 minutes sure when the whole thing's up?
2: Pretty much. I mean, the hardest part before was that old Coleman tent with the mm-hmm. bendy poles. Mm-hmm. Nope. Now that that, that is, now that that process has been reduced to about a minute and a half. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, beautiful deal. Uh, Brandon, you talked about it. I went and played golf, uh, played with my dad for the first time that I've played golf probably in like a year and a half or something. And that, that wasn't intentional. Uh, it's just, uh, things didn't align and blah, blah, blah. And I hadn't played golf in forever. Uh, I played the worst round of golf and had the most fun that I've had. It All it's, that matters. You know, what's funny is that if you're playing often and you have a terrible round, it really brings you down. Uh, but if you haven't played in forever and you just go out and smack at a ball, it, it's actually really fun. My dad's like, what'd you have on that home? Eh, I don't know. Nine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm just farting around, having a good time. So yes, uh, that yes. was, that was good. Sure. When you're playing in golf, you gotta later, know your what?
1: audience that you're playing with.
2: Well, it's funny. You mentioned that. I realized that I haven't played golf in two years. Mm hmm. And, uh, obviously, uh, I told you, but I wouldn't expect you to remember how to unfortunate circumstance of, uh, magically disappearing clubs. Oh, and bag. I do remember
0: that. That was horse manure times 12
2: and yeah. that bag was killer. But what I did do is I finally did what I've been wanting to do for about 10 years. So Saturday I got online and I looked around and I fished around and I finally found what I wanted which was a used set of 1982 forged ping I2 black dot three iron through pitching wedge. And those jokers are going to be here on Thursday. My man, my man. When we playing? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I got to ask Brendan that question because we've been cooking up some yes, ideas. <laughs> we got to, yeah, I, uh,
1: we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk, get a day. How I'll come down and play. I don't care. Well, we'll it's, I, I, you know, I'll come down for a weekend. I um you know rusty kind of like what you were saying you know like there was about a 3 4 year stretch where if I got out 3 4 times it was lucky and I I you know not having kids is is uh is played a role in me allowing over the last 2 to 3 years where Lindsay doesn't care she's like you're going to leave me alone on a saturday yeah. great bye yeah. <laughs> And so I have relate. made a conscious effort to take advantage of situations <laughs> and to go play more golf and, and kind of hone in my game a little bit. And uh, it's, it's enjoyable. couple cigars, one on the front, one on the back, you know, just have a good time and, and, and really play relaxed free golf, which has allowed me, like I said, to, to really kind of get better, the play and play some of the best golf that I've played I mean I've been playing since eighth grade and I've played some of the best golf I have over the last couple of years which is great but too to that point like I'll go out on an awning and just slap the ball around and not care and I'll then I'll you know turn around two weeks later and go out and actually try to play seriously and and make improvements and just to have fun but it it's it, it's so awesome to just be able to get out there for four hours relax free and and, and just have a good time.
0: It's funny how we inspire each other, because, like, uh, Brandon, you went and got that tent, and then I immediately went and bought that tent. Yes. Uh, A few weeks ago, I went and bought an iPhone 12, and and I texted over to Sherwin on it. Sherwin went and bought him one the next day. Now, Sherwin has bought some clubs. I'm fixing to buy me some clubs now, because two reasons. One is that Sherwin just bought some, so I need to keep up with the Joneses here. Uh, But two... (laughs) (laughs) Two is... Uh, the last time that I rented clubs, I went and uh, just my swing type and everything else. Uh, I need the steel shafts, and I need I need very stiff. Uh, <laughs> I need very stiff shafts, gentlemen. Um, and <laughs> and it was uh, uh, and the, and the ones that I own are hand me downs from my dad, who doesn't have a very um, fast or strong swing. So he gets those that are made out of rubber bands, you know, that just whoop, that try to do that. And if you swing hard with those, there ain't no telling where the ball's going. So, yes. uh, the last time I rented clubs, I I was like, plus I'm telling you, 15 yards every club uh, hitting it uh, just with my normal swing. So uh, it's time for me to go get some new clubs.
1: I would t- the two the two best clubs I have in my bag I bought used, and it's an Adams tight uh Super something three and five wood. I, I you can't not hit that ball straight with those things. The, the tight lies fairway woods are the two best clubs in my bag outside of my eight iron. Um, and and I will tell you, yeah, like my clubs are probably about five or six years old. Um, and, and I probably got another year or two out of those, but, um, man, I tell you, there's nothing wrong with used clubs. Like I said, those Mm -hmm. two used ones are the best ones in my bag.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) So, bringing it back around to NASCAR, old Rusty, so I was, um, uh, one thing I was doing this weekend was, all right, well, we're taking the truck out, which the truck hadn't been on a, like, road trip since Darlington 2019, and so I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I'll just, you know, make sure everything's good, I got the oil changed a couple weeks ago, so we're good there, want to make sure the tires are all blowed up, so I I was outside blowing up my tires, realized... That old Rusty has a, uh, evidently a lug nut violation. I've got one of my lugs somehow missing off the truck. I don't know what happened with that, but um, I, I need to it's find. A Fifteen
1: thousand a... dollar penalty, right? I there. know, right?
0: <laughs> uh, Paul Wolf uh, can't even work next weekend because of this. Uh, you know, same thing. I, I, I like called myself out. I'm like, uh, you know, waving my arm like a NASCAR uh, uh, official. <laughs> like, hey, uh, there's no lug there. Pointing at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, bring that around in NASCAR. We talked about it last week. Um, like, there's no such thing starting next year as a lug nut violation. So it's uh, it's interesting how that uh, how that works and how uh, we, we talked about it last week with lug nut violations. And this week, like I said, Paul Wolf suspended for the Dover race, which I don't know. I, it's weird because I, I feel like I remember when lug nut violations were like, all right, well, that that sucks. And here, you know, here's, here's a token five grand or whatever. And, and like, um, uh, we're, we're hearing about suspensions every other week. Um, I, I gotta imagine if you're the crew chief, you're just like, huh, what suspend? I can't even like, what if my work suspended me next week because of like, I didn't, I didn't throw my cup in the garbage at the end of the day <laughs> or something, you know, like it seems so minor, but I, I don't know. Going from a, I guess my whole point is this year it is such a strong infraction to next year not even being a thing.
1: Well, and you had what a couple of years ago where you know if if you know you had got you had teams just tightening three because right. they wanted to save time, pick up a spot, and and pulling out you know the skirt on the on the on the car, and and that was acceptable. You know, so it's like we've gone from so many different extremes. And like yeah, I remember listening to your guys show last week and you guys were talking about that. And it's like, if, if anything, all right, you're going to fine, fine, the fine, whatever. But why would you have the guy that's not responsible for the infraction? You know, is it because the assumption is he has signaled to them in some innuendo? Hey, you know, don't tighten all of them so that we can pick up a spot. Or would it make more sense to suspend, you know, that that guy with the gun and that tire changer and maybe have to suffer and not, you know, through a guy that's just barely coming up through the ranks as your tire or tire changer next week? Like, you know, I just feel like there's a better way to get that penalty across that might make the team suffer maybe a little bit more than a crew chief suspension.
0: How about how about you lose that guy and you can't replace him? Oh, like, now you've got decisions yeah, that's, to make. That's... Uh, you'll never see another
2: loose lug. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's to what degree do you want to eliminate the situation? Right. It, is it is it really safety or is it pomp and circumstance? Because you, to your point, yeah, if you say, oh, rear tire changer didn't hit all five on the last stop. Rear tire changer suspended and so is that roll. Right. Now right. what are you going to do? Good luck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with those 13 and a half second stops all day. <laughs> and losing 10 spots in the pits every time because now that we have all these fake pits to, or fake
1: cautions. Oh, can we talk about that a minute, please? We can. <laughs> I mean, I know and, and I don't mean to completely derail, but I and I, I talked about it on my show tonight. Like I I and Sherwin and I, I know we've gone on some Twitter rants about the competition caution, right? and i tried to play the objective role as i always do and i get it right like no practice fine we're going to use that as the excuse to allow and create a caution so that teams can come and look at tire wear and all that kind of stuff but why can't nascar have the discretion and depending on whether we're at martinsville whether we're at michigan whether we're at talladega you know set a percentage right like if a actual natural caution comes out within x percent at whether we're at short intermediate or super speedway that nascar can just deem that now hey teams that this is now our competition caution so that we don't have to have the nonsense and chaos that we had on friday and saturday
0: yeah well that uh, that's one way there i don't know i feel like there's multiple ways. Sherwin, you, you sounded like you had an opinion on the,
2: uh, we'll call it the fantasy cautions. Well, um, I mean, we did see it play that way on Sunday, though, right? Because we got a caution at lap 21 and a half, and they were going to call the competition at 25. And they said, okay, this is going to be the competition caution, because mm-hmm. it was two and a half, three laps before it was going to be anyway. But I mean, I remember right at the beginning of the the race, they were like, yeah, we got a competition caution. I'm like the hell it didn't rain. Why are we having a competition caution? You know,
1: I mean, that used used to be the big catalyst, right? Like if it rained the night before and washed all the rubber off from Friday and Saturday with all the practice and qualifying, you know, then yeah, we'd have that comp caution. And it's like, you know, I get it why they give it for each series you know but like i look at friday night's truck race and it was like you know comp caution was at like it was either lap 20 or 25 and and we had a yellow you know six laps shy of that and then they ended up rethrowing the comp yellow and i'm just like why are we like we're going to throw it fine i understand i guess i understand but there's no need to have it back to back when we just had one that was on the track for an actual real thing. Like maybe that's why they did that on Sunday was because they realized, man, we had, you know, 66 of 167 laps on Friday were run under yellow. That was the longest damn truck race. And I don't mind a long truck race as long as it's a quality truck race, but it mm. just became a shit show on Friday night. Mm. Yeah, it was. Oh, like, uh,
2: Yeah, it was messy. Um yeah. I mean, I think I, probably the major difference, if you set aside Friday and Saturday, is um, they're still in that mode where they want to save those series, having to buy all those tires. So they gave nine sets to Cup. So it's like, okay, you know, they're they're not going to run out of tires unless they do some weird stuff. Now, the Xfinity guys did. Somebody was, like, on their fourth of five sets with, like, a hundred laps to go. <laughs> now... We ended up running like 45 of those 100 under caution because of some Talladega nonsense on a restart. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, w- I wish I could be in that room one day. Just hear what they're saying, why they're making that decision, and go, mm-hmm. okay, there's some stuff I'm missing. Or, hey, guy in the back over here, what is it you're doing? Because yeah. this, doesn't, this doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah.
0: Well, gentlemen, we've kind of got there informally. Let's make it formal. Here it is, tearing it down. (laughs) Might have blown some eardrums on that one. Sorry, folks. Uh, This is what happens when you do it all live. (laughs) But uh, how about Darlington Truex? I I felt like there was two camps. One camp that was saying this race was meh, and the other camp going, if you didn't like this race, you're not an NASCAR fan. (laughs) Where do you all stand? Brandon.
1: So I thought the race was, was a solid – I mean, if, if, if our measure is against the weekend itself, like <laughs> Cup Race was, was fantastic. Overall, I thought it was really good. I thought it was solid. Um, you know – I I've talked about, you can have a dominant race winner and the race still be good. And I get where the casual fan doesn't see that necessarily, but I thought the race was great. You had comers and goers throughout the entire race. You know, when, when you've got your stage winners and your final finishing and you've got stage points across 17, 18 different drivers, to me, that shows movement that shows some guys had it at the start. Some guys had it mid Some guys were set up for a late race, and so I like to see that. That's what we had. Uh, I mean, we had Larson threading the needle at Darlington 3-wide, right? Like, I mean, you had a lot of competition way beyond Martin Truex Jr., and I think that's great. I also love the fact that Martin Truex Jr. won the race. Like, guy had the car to beat, and guess what? Nobody beat him. You know, so what, you know, if we're going to complain about cautions and all that, did you want the shootout to the best car not winning possibly on a restart? Or do you want the best car to win the race? You know, and it's it's that fine line of, well, how much side by side action are we going to get and all that kind of stuff? I mean, it, it delivered. It maybe didn't give us Southern 500 Saturday night racing in September, Darlington, but the race was great. Number supported it, Three over 3 million people tuned in. So, I mean, A in my book.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I, so here's where I think there is some fair criticism that exists. And we already, we already discussed the, all the extra cautions that we don't consider to be natural cautions. So I'll leave that aside. I think one of the things that is missing that used to be there, when we see, we used to see a lot of these races where the fastest car would get way out ahead and be getting gone. Uh, maybe not all race long, but for periods of time. Uh, the thing that we're missing is the broadcast group used to just go, okay, the leader's 12, 15 seconds ahead of everybody else. We don't need to focus on the leader. Let's go find the places where racing is happening for positions of impact. In this case, Maybe we're getting 10 or 15 minutes away from where we're going to have a stage in. And you got positions 7 through 13. And there it's who managed their tires. Who's going to get that last stage point? Going to get that 10th, you know, that one stage point. It might matter uh, another 14 races from now. They used to go back into the field, even when before stages existed, way before stages existed. And they would go find that race. Or they'd go find the beehive. Where's the beehive? Let's go find the B. Where are all these cars all bunched up at? You know, where does it look like there's about to be a caution? They don't really do that anymore. And I think that's that's fair criticism of Fox's approach to broadcasting the race now is instead of just showing the leader running around and around and around and outrunning everybody, move on back into the field. Find the place where the racing's happening. Yeah. And then come back and go, oh, by the way, Truex is still leading by 12 seconds. Okay. And we're going to go back to 19th place because look at this gaggle of cars.
1: <laughs> you you know, I think they need to – I agree. They, you know, you used to always get the uh, – they used to make like a segment. You know, they'd have a special graphic. Hey, we're mm-hmm. going to go through the field now. And they don't. And, but I tell you what, that is something that the broadcast on the radio side still does. And they need to go back to that because, you know, when you – I think the the – the TV broadcast relies too much on the visual aspect where the radio guys still need to paint that picture for you, almost like listening to a baseball game or a football game. And they have to tell you what's going on and help you get that visual in your mind for you. And and that's something where, you know, I'd rather – have the tv on with a baseball game on but listen to the broadcast side of it i'll do that sometimes with the race even though there's a time delay you know it's 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 a much different audio piece when you listen to that side of things and i think that's something that is definitely missed
0: yeah and i agree that um you know darlington isn't a mile and a half you know uh, quote-unquote cookie cutter one of the two miles or something like that where somebody can just usually get ahead and just totally check out. I don't feel like we see that all the time at a Darlington. And so when that happens, you know, you know who to beat and to y'all's point. All right, well, he's up there. So, you know, we're, we're not going to focus on him necessarily, but, um, I, I think this time it was so different than what we normally see at Darlington that it's worth, it's worth focusing on a little bit, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm in that, I'm in that same camp that everybody else is. I was hoping we'd all be disagreeing, you know, three different opinions or something. But I think we're all on the same page here. So I won't belabor the point. I will say I thought it was interesting. I saw an article uh, talking about Kyle Busch slamming NASCAR after, um, after his third place finish, and he was involved in a wreck early on in the race and raced all the way back to be third place. And NASCAR tweeted. The beginning was better than the end for Kyle Busch. And he was like, y'all are just looking for taglines or something. You you like praise the winner and shame everybody else. And in that same article they showed Kyle Larson who finished second and NASCAR posted close but no cigar. And it was like, dang the NASCAR is like throwing shade if you're not winning. Uh, so at first I thought it was just, you know, another Kyle Busch, uh, you know, moment or whatever, but you dig into it. You're like, yeah, obviously Kyle is a fantastic one of, if not the greatest racer on the track right now. And, uh, you know, hall of famer and damn smart guy. Right. But, uh, but this one kind of proved too that, like, even when he's kind of, you know, I'll call it bitching a little bit. Uh, he, he's got a point there.
2: So uh, that was interesting to me.
1: He's I'm not wrong.
2: Yeah. I'm glad he, I'm glad he kind of stuck his foot in the turf there. Cause um, recall, it's probably not been that long now, certainly Twitter and Instagram and all the other devices that we have on our phones now have, have created this entire new medium that's exploded that, that a lot of people use that, you know, 10 years ago, Twitter really was for people that were just kind of dialed into whatever sport they were dialed into, and they were the only ones using it. Now everybody's got it. It's kind of like when they went Facebook from college students to everybody. Yeah, now everybody, to Everybody's delete, got like, it.
0: Half of our posts because we are like, oh, crap, mom can see this now? <laughs> <I gotta laughs> right, and it was,
2: it was right about that time, that 10-year-ago thing, um, where – NASCAR went and purchased nascar.com back from Turner Sports. Mm, mm-hmm. And there was a major change in the way they went about their digital philosophy at the .com. And so I think what we're seeing is the evolution of of 10 years of a whole bunch of this is my first job in a, you know, a professional sport.com and they're trying to create waves where waves don't exist and they don't, they didn't really need to do that. And I, I'm, I'm glad Kyle said, you know, how about a little middle finger for you? This is whatever you're doing's not, it's not working. And, and I would say, and I would add this a little bit more, our friend, you know, we've got some friends that are on the digital side with, with one of the broadcast partners and I've been really, really disappointed with their approach to marketing NASCAR this year, the only thing that they are showing is wrecks. Mm. Well, we know this isn't a demolition derby. Mm -hmm. That's all they do. Every racetrack. Watch NASCAR on Broadcast Partner and look what they're posting all week leading into the track we're going to. It's wreck after wreck after wreck after wreck after wreck. That's all they're doing. And it's like, where's the value in that?
0: That's, that's hard for me because how do you think that those people are being measured in their own job? And it's number of clicks, likes, and, and eyeballs, right? What gets <coughs> the clicks, likes, and eyeballs? So the first race, they post 15 different clips, and the one with all the wrecks is the one that gets all the eyeballs. And their boss says, hey, good job on that one. What happened with the rest of these? And they're like, well, I'm just, I'm just showing the race, right? And then now it's like, uh, like you said, it, it's, it's the clickbait thing. It, it's hard. That's, uh, that's tough. Uh, it's hard for me to reconcile that in my own mind. Um, and, and I don't know, blame any blame anybody who's on the, uh, you know, feet on the ground for that type of stuff. Um, it, it's how we're, it's how folks are measured. And that's unfortunate. I think is uh, maybe your point, Sherwin, that that's unfortunate. That that's what we're looking at.
1: Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Brennan.
1: I was just to say, you know, I, I, the the thing that sticks out distinctly to me is Martinsville, Joey Logano, Matt Kenseth. You know, where they ended up parking Kenseth, but all be if they didn't use that footage to to sell whatever, whether it was clicks, views, videos, eyes on TV, ticket sales, and that's it's. it's I mean, that's that fine line, right? Like, hey, the three of us, everyone in this chat. of the people that follow us, NASCAR doesn't need to sell a reason to tune in because they're already invested. But what I think they're trying to do is, is, all right, how do I sell to the casual fan that, oh, uh, baseball game ended, football game's not going to start until after the race. Let me tune in for the last 20 minutes while I get ready for that next thing that I was planning on watching. And that's, I think, where it becomes that, catch 22 it's like man we're looking at it like you could have showed x y and z but man that 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 maybe doesn't get extra viewers or you know which then leads to commercials which then leads to maybe someone's you know and it's it's such a shame that that's what social media has caused all of this to turn into
2: Well, think about it from this perspective. If you like bumping, beating, and banging, and this is stock car racing, particularly Martinsville. Let's focus there. You want to see one of the best finishes at Martinsville there's ever been. It's, uh, you know, Truex, high, wide, and sideways as hell coming to the line, Mm -hmm. you know, beating Denny Hamlin. It's it's Jeff Gordon getting thunder-pissed. Trying to pass Jimmy Johnson, beating, banging for three or four laps, but neither car wrecked. They finished one, two. Is that not more exciting than a car 10 laps down, dumping the leader for no apparent reason?
1: Uh, Mike, yeah. I'm with you. You yeah. know, and we could all, you know, if we want, I know this isn't in the notes, but I mean, we could almost make a nice tie in segue if we wanted to talk about Sheldon Creed and Marcus Lemonis. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, you can, add,
2: you know what? Well, can, that got worn out on rubber Clear pretty uh, good. Yeah,
1: okay. All right. So I didn't listen to that yet. And, and for me, I'm like, man, like I, you know, everybody knows Love Me Some Trucks. I love Marcus. I love what he's doing. And then, you know, after talking with Michael Carey on on the show, like he put it into a brand new perspective for me that I kind of was getting to. And I was like, oh, I just need that one more common sense move. And it was like, oh, hey, um, what Sheldon Creed did for GMS was say, hey, um, it's great what Marcus is doing for some of these other teams, like, you know, some of your lower budget teams. $15,000 $15,000 goes a lot further for Timmy Hill than it is for Sheldon Creed and GMS because Sheldon Creed and GMS run a much larger operation. They invest a lot more back into the teams, whether it be from engineering, whether it be from, you know, uh, any, any other possible avenue of racing than what uh, uh, someone like Timmy and not taken away from Timmy Hill or anything like that. But for Sheldon Creed and and that organization to say, hey, yeah, no, we'd rather run unfunded. And then what Michael Carey did when I talked to him was be like, the problem if everybody starts jumping on board with what Marcus is doing is is what happens when the new sponsor comes in and goes, hey, I want a full truck wrap for $10,000 or $15,000. You're only letting me get a quarter panel for that. Why don't I get the Marcus deal? And, and then that becomes a whole bottleneck issue within the truck series. And now sponsorship starts coming down, you know, and that may be good. Maybe sponsorship starts coming down more. It might reel in teams a little bit, but it just, it it's a downward spiral from that point. So it's, it was really interesting to see that.
2: Well, and to steal from them a little bit without ruining their show, because I know a lot of people are going to listen to it, but it, this is the, this is the analogy we'll step away from racing for a minute. Let's imagine for a second, we're all going to go, let's say, Rusty and I get on an airplane, the Falcons are playing in Detroit, we're going to go watch a Lions game, right? And Rusty and I show up, and we're going to sit next to you, Brandon, and our tickets cost $85, uh, but you got one for 15 and then we watch the game, and everybody has a good time, and then we go home, and we have a few drinks, and you tell us what you paid for your ticket, and we tell us you what we paid for ours, well... We sat in the same spot. We watched the same game. Why did, you know, why was yours $15 and ours was $85? Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's, that's the analogy is. And that, that's where the devalue thing comes in. That's, I think Jeff Gluck was actually the first one to jump on that.
1: Yeah. Like you can't,
2: you can't devalue that sponsorship. Why did Sheldon say what he said? Well, Sheldon needed to say what he said because the worst thing Marcus did in this whole process, even though he's being, ultra supportive of the whole process. And obviously he's trying to grow his brand too, but what he did was he never should have said what the value of the sponsorship was and nobody would ever know the difference. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I feel like Marcus
0: suffers from the classic problem of mo money, mo problems. Cause he really is trying to do what's right here. I mean, he, he just pledged what wasn't a million bucks for North Wilkesboro. You know, uh-huh. he's got the money to throw around. He's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, you know, and, and from his, he just paints with a wide brush saying, hey, I'm going to do sponsorship for all these guys who can't who can't get a sponsor. And and y'all figure out the details. Here's here's five million bucks to make it happen. I, I truly feel like he has holistic views in this whole thing. And it's hard for me to put much blame on him. If I had the Marcus Lemonis money, I'd be spending it the same way Marcus is right now, and and people would be telling me that I'm devaluing things and 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 you know being awful about this that or the other. And I'm like, yep. man, I'm just pouring money into
1: this thing. What do you want? That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. No. I. You know. He, he. Hey. Yeah. Does he got a deep checkbook? Yeah. But eventually, I don't care whose well it is. It it does run dry, and so it's like. It's true. You know, it's it's such a catch twenty two in terms of you know, you know, like Sherwin said, hey, if he would have just said, hey, DM me about sponsorship info and left the dollar sign and whatever comma and zeros out of the equation, then nobody knows that's kept under wrap and and it it protects the anonymity of of sponsorship. You know, making it public, you know, hey, but you know what, he wants. I, I get where he's coming from with doing that too. so it's 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 a unique perspective that it's going to be curious to see you know how that plays out and how long they stay as title sponsor, how long he stays apart, you know it sounds you know he obviously is invested in the sport, which is great. you know I wish I wish Xfinity did you know you don't see the Xfinity CEO tweeting out about hey right. you know talking to drivers, talking to fans. They're just a title sponsor. Here's a check put our name and we're good. You got an active vested interest from him, which is great to see. It's refreshing to see from the truck series, you know, and and it's, it's there as many pros as I can see where there's cons like Sheldon Creed and GMS had with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gentlemen, how about last week, Wednesday, right after both of our shows came out, the next gen cars revealed um, I have, I have some opinions here, but I'm curious on y'all's thoughts on, uh, on what they look like. If you feel like there's a winner in that series or in that uh, whole ordeal, uh, and, and yeah, what you think? So Brandon, we'll start with you. What, what was your reaction?
1: I mean, they're sweet looking. I mean, they, they, they look sharp, right? You know, um, the, the cast aluminum wheel looks good. The body looks good um you know it's it's they're still hugging the ground uh you know spoilers still there you know so for me i i mean i i want to see it you know and it's i don't want to see it at daytona that's not going to make a difference if if they stay at the road course the next week that ain't going to make a difference so it's you know where's race three four and five at next year with it that you know let me see what you got
2: yeah sherwin Uh, For me, I I guess I might have been hyper focused on brand identity. I think if you pick a winner, I think the best looking car is the Mustang. Um, You know, Rusty and I, you you and I, rooted for uh, what four different manufacturers in a matter of five years with Casey. So we're not we're not super brand loyal when it comes to a NASCAR stock car per se. I mean, obviously, I think the Camaro looks great. And I think the Toyota Camry still looks like you're going to go to the carpool line with it. (laughs) Um, But all the lines look the same. The car looks symmetrical. I'm glad for that. It's not offset on the left rear like it has been for however many 20 years. Uh, I like that aspect. Um, But in terms of really aligning the nose piece with what looks like a Mustang, I I think Ford really knocked it out of the park.
0: So funny you should mention that. We finally get a a disagreement thing and it's only on first impression that when I saw those cars I went, dadgummit. gummit." And and we've talked plenty of times on the podcast how uh, Toyota is as an American brand at this point as any of the others. So, you know, don't don't even go there with that sort of deal. But still in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, Ford, Chevy, Y'all, I looked at that Toyota and I thought that's the best looking car out there. Now I, I will agree, Sherwin, with you on on that Ford did the best job in like this is what a Mustang looks like the uh, the way they revealed it. I, I did not like the racing stripes on it for some reason. It, it made the car look weird to me. Like I, I would love to see that car without those blue racing stripes and, and compare that way. Um, but, uh, I was like, man, that Camry looks sharp to me. And, and Hey, if I'm driving that down the carpool lane, I'm, I'm, you know, turning eyeballs. So, uh, I, I really like the way the Camry looked to be honest.
2: Yeah. And I don't think I dislike the way it looks. I think it's just the, uh, it's the association with the difference between, You know, the Mustang GT Cobra comes stock with almost 700 horses. Mm -hmm. The Camaro ZL7, uh, ZL1 comes stock with like 695 horses. Then you have the Camry, comes stock with 235. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a race car. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. The fact
0: that it is branded Camry is is interesting in that.
1: To me, Chevy had that issue back in the day when they were running the Impala. Like, okay, yeah, they had the Impala SS, but, I mean, nobody owned an Impala SS. Like, that that wasn't a common vehicle to find at a dealership showroom. Uh, you know, the Monte Carlo I thought was pretty cool, you know, and then they had, God, what was before? Uh, between the Impala and before they went to the Camaro, they just had, like, Chevy even was running a car that you couldn't even go into the showroom and buy. Well, it was an like, Australian Holden. Yeah, like it, it was just, what are we doing here? Like, you know, I I get we're well beyond the, you know, win on Sunday, buy on Monday thing here, but it's like at least have a common car that's a sports car that you could potentially go and buy if you wanted to, you know? And it was like, even when Ford ran the Fusion, I'm like, Fusion's not a sports car. Like, the, the, there's no, you don't think Fusion, you don't hear Fusion think speed right like you think mustang you think speed you think camaro you think speed like you know you want to be able to have that correlation and and for a while there that felt lost in the sport
2: yeah well ford started racing the taurus in like 97 yeah and that was you know that was a family sedan <laughs> i
0: was gonna say i think a buddy of yeah. mine had a ford taurus 97 and it was like the you know the super safe car, the that bubble you can car give to a teenager. Yeah, the bubble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was very, very round. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, so I was looking um, uh, around as well. Uh, speaking of folks doubling down, uh, we we talked about you know uh, uh, Marcus Lemonis saying, "Hey, I'll give a million bucks to make North Wilkesboro happen." How about Dale Jr. saying, "I'm going to race every race at the fairgrounds if you come back." like uh, suddenly the fairgrounds now has a marquee driver that will bring eyeballs attention butts in the stands etc like uh, that feels like it's got legs
1: yeah you know i'm all about it i i think it's great you know bring back tracks like i am all about you know and and when i saw that in there i'm like man that, that's a great point and and what i look at it as is You know, look back at the schedule. I'm going to use my home track, Michigan. You know, for how many years did Michigan have two races, eight weeks apart? And after, you know, I mean, I remember going into the early 2000s and both selling out at 140, 150, whatever it was. You know, and then it just dwindled to the point of maybe there were 60 or 70,000 fans at each race, maybe 40 or 50. And it's like, okay, what do we need to do to get as many people in the stands as possible? will North Wilkesboro sell out? Will Nashville sell out? Will all of these places sell out? Yeah, they will. And if that means you've got to start cutting tracks or get it on a rotational period to where, Hey, if Michigan only is going to get a race every two to three, you know, every season and a half or every two years, well now that makes that a special race to go to because it's, it's limited and I, I i'm all about it if if we start going on rotational periods here let's let's do it let's get new tracks in let's get n- new marketing areas in let's get new new everything in if it keeps the sport relevant and new and exciting and cuts down on notebooks
2: mm-hmm. yeah well think about what the nfl has done with europe you know they started with wembley and they said we're going to do we know there is a market in especially in england for American football. We, we've we tested it. We tried the Euro football thing. It, it sort of kind of worked for a half a minute. But then they're like, wait a minute. What if we play one in Ireland? What if we don't play at Wembley? What if we play at Man City Stadium? You know, it's like, or what if we play at, you know, Man United Stadium mean, or whatever. Just they started moving those games around a little bit. You know, let's go play in Mexico City. You know, let's go play at Aztec Stadium. Um, you know, it, it, you, to your point, if you don't go every year, it becomes a higher demand opportunity. That's why I, I love the idea that we're going to seven road courses, but some of these things need to move around a little bit.
1: And, yeah. you know,
2: there's, I know everybody wants to go to Montreal cause it's the biggest party city in the world. Well, there's a lot more obstacles than there are to say, going to mid Ohio or going to VIR or going to Ray, road, Atlanta or yep. potentially running Belle Isle or running, you know, St. Pete Beach um, or running Birmingham. You know, it's just you could move a couple of those races around the same way you could say we're going to race Nashville this year, but then we're going to go to the Milwaukee Mile. And then we're going to go back to St. Louis and the Arches Speedway. And then, you know what I mean? Just bump those yeah. things around so where, you, yeah, if you create the demand, that's like Rusty has always been telling me. Leave them want more. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. No, I agree. There are certain tracks that you go to every year. There are a few key tracks you go to twice a year, and the rest should be open. You're going to start the season at Daytona. You're going to go to Bristol twice. You're going to go to Martinsville twice. You're going to go to Darlington. I like that Darlington's got two races now. I, I'm a fan of Atlanta having two races. You know, there there are a few key spots that, that should get at least one and two races a year, and the rest fill in the blanks as needed, and what the demand is is requesting for it.
0: Can, Nash- you know? and- Can Nashville survive at the Cup level
2: if they only have a race, say, once every three years? Though, well, I wonder if you couldn't do something just as simple as flop between the Super Speedway and the fairgrounds. Hmm. Yeah, you know, because yeah. they're they're wildly far apart. The thing that makes Fairgrounds so interesting, even beyond the history, is it's 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 on the Fairgrounds Park, which is the same place where uh, Nashville FC plays. They're, they're kitty-corner to each other. So you have the soccer complex there, and then you have the racetrack, and then you have the Fairgrounds itself, and that's all in Nashville proper. And then Super Speedway is out towards Franklin. It's like 12 miles outside of town. Um, I'm interested to see how the super speedway goes, but I think you can do some of those things Um, as long as you, I mean, I, obviously we're not going to take a race away from Talladega. So that makes doing Birmingham a little hard. I have three races in Alabama. It's not a highly populated state, but it's relatively easy to get to from a lot of States in the Southeast. So maybe one year you do have three races in Alabama. I don't know how you do it, but um. And you do it at places that already have infrastructure. That's why I say if you're going to add a road course, uh, the one that makes the most sense right off the top obviously was Road America. Boom, mm. we're doing that. Oh, yeah. The next one's Mid-Ohio. It's already set up for NASCAR. They got all the barriers. It's all there. They've been racing Xfinity there in trucks for years. Mm-hmm. And maybe 100%. that's
0: a good point right there. Bring bring everybody to somewhere, and and maybe it, maybe one single track doesn't survive as just a cup track that that they need that every year. But if they have some race every year and we're rotating in and out, then uh, you know at, at the you know NASCAR level, I'll call it one of the top three touring series, then uh, then maybe you do. So anyway, with that, gentlemen, let's gas it up. Here we go. Oh goodness, there it is. Dover. Dover time. Um, 750 horsepower, small spoiler. Yes, sir. Brandon, Brandon, what are you looking forward to?
1: Oh, well, all right. So I'm going to give a shameless plug to the show here. I'm looking forward to the fact that, and and I'm going to, Rusty, I'm going to try to, I'm going to sweet talk you here, Rusty. (laughs) Oh, boy. So Dover is the end of segment one of lap traffic fantasy. (laughs) <laughs> rusty rusty ain't submit a pick in a minute and so segment two starting scratch man so it, it's time to come back okay
0: okay i i dig it uh, uh yeah uh, yeah help me remember i'll uh I, I'll I, I, I can do that i i got a lot of quid in me as, uh, Ron White has said before, like, that boy's
2: got a lot of quit in him.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, well, yes. I finished 32nd this week. I finished 38th the next week. Yep. I'm done. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Help me remember if we're resetting the whole deal, uh, yes. I'm, I'm totally in.
1: Yeah. back
0: we so, one. Yeah. With that last week, Sherwin, uh, let's see, you picked, uh, Ross Chastain Respectable finish at fifteenth. I would really like to see him crack the top ten a few more times. Uh, I picked Blaney in eighth, so uh, you'll be uh, before me, but before anybody, Brandon, as the special guest. Why don't you give
1: us your pick? So I, uh, you know, I I was torn. I have Blaney available in <laughs> in the in the league still, and I went and looked, and yeah, he doesn't have the best of finishes there. So I'm um, I'm going with Kyle Larson this weekend.
2: Larson. Interesting. Not a bad pick, and
0: he's got a little bit of mo. So, uh, with the second place finish there, so and, and he's you know, uh, is it's one of those he's not he doesn't have to race to get in. Uh, well, maybe he does. We've been talking about that for a few weeks, but yeah, Sherwin, go ahead.
2: Well, I don't remember who I have available for Brandon, so I'll have to go back and look and make sure I haven't already. But I made up my mind before this started who I was picking for our show. Yes, sir. Our show, I'm picking Lord Byron. Nice.
0: Byron, I had written in a name, Sherwin. As you were saying that, I was writing in a name, and I had to backspace over it. I thought you were going to pick my pick, who has won at Dover recently, well, relatively recently, and is yet to have his win yet this year. Mr. Hometowner Chase Elliott is Rusty's lock of the century of the week. So, (laughs) uh, I'm going with Chase. He's due. He's due. Due is uh, you know, saying somebody is due is like saying that red is due on the roulette table, right? (laughs) You know, so (laughs) you got to be careful with the wording there. But uh, because
1: then green pops up. So uh,
2: right, right. But you know what, Brandon, I'm with you. Oh, you always got to cover zero, double (laughs) zero. That's just a lost bet always. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just you have to do it.
0: Uh gentlemen, I cannot believe that it's been however long it's been, an hour and five minutes already. But uh maybe we'll cover a little bit more on the after show if you're uh listening on the on the uh iTunes or wherever else. Might be a little bit more content on YouTube or something. We'll see what uh what we end up doing. But with that, Mr. Brandon, why don't you close us out? Tell the folks where you can find you what's coming up next.
1: All right, guys, you can find me on Twitter at LaptrafficPC. Go check out tonight's show that just got posted with Josh Berry, uh, Michael Carey from com and the old lab traffic intern dan ryan uh next week two shows coming up for you guys jeff okay. striegel and i are going to recap the first half of the regular season on tuesday and then dustin albino is going to come back and we're going to rehash the dash for cash in the Xfinity series oh
0: my goodness and and i even had it in the show notes and maybe we'll we'll talk about it later but uh dash for cash just got a little more interesting with the it did. noah gregson
2: uh, ordeal but that all said, Sherwin, tell the folks where they can find us. Well you can find us at PETM podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Andrew L. Sherwin on Instagram and at Pregame Engineer on Twitter. He said it.
0: PTMpodcast.com Podcast.com at PTM Podcast on Twitter. As always, I'm Rusty Walls at Tailgate Mayor. We can't wait to talk to y'all next week. Let's watch some Dover Racing. Can't uh, can't wait to I don't know. Can't wait. Miles the monster. There it is. Miles the monster, monster, mile. Talk to y'all next week.